Bam, we're live. One of those people who says, I never get sick. I've never been sick. I've never been sick in my life. Now I'm sick twice in a row. What the hell's going on? I woke up this morning again, like coughing up stuff I could taste. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, I, was, I was just looking at something that I'm trying to find again. Um, we have a Home Depot in our area that caught on fire. Oh, there it is. There it is. We have a Home Depot that, uh, good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning, Eric. I know you guys aren't saying good morning to me. You're saying good morning to all the crew. Amanda, Amanda Stack, Brandon Waddle, Waddell, Waddle, Waddell, Devesh Maharaj. Good morning. Alex Peters, Corey, Jason, Mr. Bellinghausen. Yeah, how crazy is that? How crazy is that? This th These pictures are nuts. Hey, if you're a firefighter, this was a dream, right? Like all, all the firefighters I know, they um, they sign up to be firefighters and then all they end up doing is, is going to old folks' home and saving old people or saving fat people or, you know, it's, it's, or they got the frequent flyers. They're just, they're it's starting to get wound, too wound up. I'm going to have a guest today. If you guys don't know who the guest is today, not a big deal, but you're going to be stoked as you learn about him. Holy cow. Or you're going to hate yourself. Uh, look at that. It's gone. It's gone. Can you imagine like the section with like all the paints in it and all the stuff that was flammable, all the WD-40s? Kaboom, kaboom. It's like a little boy's wet dream to light a Home Depot on fire. What are you talking about, Sevon? I'm just telling you the truth. Like that's, that's like investigation continues into five alarm Home Depot fire in San Jose. <coughs> My goodness. Look at that thing. Whoo. Do they know how that started? I mean, uh, Christine, why? Wow. I, I always trip on your avatar. It's so serious. You're like the you look like like the serious version of Dory from um um Finding Nemo. Uh I mean my husband is a firefighter. Most of the big ones are fought from outside, but how in the hell did no one put it out inside? Oh, I see what you mean. Like just run like they saw it and someone run over from, from the fire hydrant section and just spray it down. Hey, you, I, I like the stories where they're like, we had to cut a hole in the roof. Like no one went on the roof of this thing, right? God, can you imagine this thing? I have to guess you could see this fire from my house. Christina, why so serious? That's a good question. We'll have her on as a guest. The lumber section. Yeah, that in a Home Depot, that's just kindling, right? I mean, all the flammable stuff that explodes. I would just like to start a fire and throw like two cans of WD-40 in it and see what happens. How about a whole aisle of just flammable shit? Is our guest... um? My wife just texted me. What'd you say? Uh, I had a dream. We were trying to find a place to have sex. No, that's not a dream. That's our life when you have three kids. But thank you. Good morning, babe, if you're listening. Normally, I kiss her um, before the show starts, but my schedule got all jacked up this morning because Mr. David Taylor had to postpone it by 10 minutes. And then next thing I knew, I was in here and I was like, oh, shit, I forgot to kiss my wife. I'm a creature of habit. So I text her, I love you. So then she told me her dream. 
There he is. There is Mr. Taylor. How are we doing? Dude, better than this Home Depot. Oh, yeah. Can you believe that? Wait, I don't know what, what happened. That's the, I, I live in, um, I live in Santa Cruz, California, which is like uh, 20 miles south of San Jose, which is like 50 miles south of San Francisco. And this Home Depot caught on fire. And I was just thinking like, as a, as a 50 year old man, I still have a seven year old boy in me that would love to start a fire and throw in a can of WD 40 and watch it explode. But can you imagine that aisle with all the flammable? Like, can you imagine that place? I know it's funny. I hope no one was hurt, but I just, holy cow. It's that's epic. Wow. Whole Home Depot. So it's a little boy's wet dream to just sit there and watch that. No. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Do you have any friends who are firefighters, David? Uh, well, actually, I, I don't uh, don't really have any friends, but so I was. <laughs> I mean, I have friends. I have girlfriends. Don't lie. Yeah. No, you don't. You're too busy to have friends. What I was saying is, so I was running back this morning, and so we get tested by USADA every like quarter, you know. And USADA was here, and the guy who tested me is a firefighter in Pittsburgh. So we were actually just talking about that. So uh, it was ironic that you just asked me about that. I wonder if those guys, I wonder if that's a cool job. Like, oh, you get to meet these people who are your heroes, but on the other hand, you're like, uh, pull out your genitalia. Okay, let me see it. Let me see that thing operate. Yeah. But, well, but on the other hand, that guy's probably so excited to meet David Taylor. Well, you, you get to know him because you spend a ton of time with him, you know? And, uh, you mean why? Because it's the same guy that comes three times a year for the last five years or? Pretty much. Yeah. I so saw I'm, I'm, I'm once a quarter, <laughs> but then I'm in like, uh, I'm in the water pool also. So I'm, I get tested probably eight or 10 times a year plus competition. So you, but you get to know them, you know, you spend a lot of time with them, you know, shooting the shit. And sometimes you don't have to go to the bathroom. So you're spending a lot longer with them. You know, sometimes it's quick. Today was a pretty quick trip, but they're good people though. I mean, I think it's a tough job a little bit, like, you know, but I, but cause they're on the road. So a lot of them are <coughs> the job, but they're all, they're, they're pretty much all pretty nice, you know, which is, which is cool. I, and, 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 well, it's, they're probably stoked that you're so nice because a lot of the athletes j- just don't, um, I'm trying to think who it was that I, that I talked to. So someone was telling me that like they would come at like, Oh, it was Matt Fraser. Do you know who Matt Fraser is? He Mm -hmm. he was the CrossFit games champion five times in a row. Fittest man alive. And anyway, he would tell me that that I think it was him. He mentioned that like they would come to his room like at 6am and he wouldn't have to pee. So that he would just go back to sleep and they would just sit in the room. (laughs) I'm like, damn dick move. No joke. One time I, I had just peed. So I was getting ready to leave the house at 5 a.m. And uh, they show up at the house. I just peed. And, you know, I can't what else. You take your, you drink your coffee and you got to take a deuce. So yeah, the yeah. I was in there when I was taking a poop. And he was like waiting for me. And I'm like, dude, I don't have to pee for a while. He's like, I know I got, I have to walk, get in here with you. I'm like, dang, that's a rough job because I felt bad for him. Yeah, that but, is a rough job. Yeah. Uh, I want to be a professional athlete. Oh, how exciting. Do you know one of the perks that comes with that is you learn to pee uh, with people watching you? Yeah. They don't tell you that. When is your, how old were you when you got your first drug test? Um, I was in college. So it was the big tens probably. And yeah, you just like, you're pee shy. Like, honestly, like you're just like, this is weird. And I had to pee so bad, but I, I couldn't pee. And uh, so I was like one of the last people there waiting for, uh, waiting to try and like s- squeeze this pee out. And you have to pee so bad, but it's different when someone's staring at you. Um, 
Just yeah. so you know, in regards to the cat, um, this is a completely un, um, inclusive show, not in the woke sense. We take the vaccinated, unvaccinated, the black, the Jews. We take them all, cats, felines, dogs. So your cat is more than welcome to uh, participate. We are, we are a truly inclusive and diverse show. No, she'll be here. I mean, she, Coco's, uh, she's, I got two cats that'll probably be up here at some point. We'll meet them, Coco and Maisie. For those of you who don't know, it's kind of, um, how old are you, David? 31. Yeah, it's, nut, it's nuts uh, what you've done in your, in your short life. It, um, David has one of those, you know, he has, he has records like, what were you in high school? You were 180 and two, your, your wrestling record. Yep. Um, he won uh, the, the state championships in junior high and in high school straight, three years, four years. His fourth year as a senior, um, it wasn't enough to win his – well, first let me say this. Somewhere in his high school years, he went from the 107-pound class to the 135-pound class over the summer, which is just nuts um, because winning is everything and screw challenging yourself, but he did that. And then his senior year, he went up to um, 140 pounds, even though he was a 135-pound guy just to really, really um, test himself. And, 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 and actually, the coolest part of the story is the credit that David gives to his teammate. Um, what was his name, Matt? Was his name Matt? The guy who was normally 140, who went down and took your spot in 135 so that you could go up to 140. That was really cool when you tell that story. I, I, I just thought that was like showed your character. Yeah. I mean, that, so that match, um, and I appreciate that. So we were wrestling like our big rival. So I went to Graham high school, our rival was St. Ed's and our whole life growing up. So it was, it was myself and a guy named Colin Palmer and we had won everything growing up, but we had never been the same weight class. And that year we were both going for our fourth state titles in Ohio. I was, um, we were in the middle division. Um, he was division one. I was division two. There's three divisions in Ohio, but we were different weight classes. I was 135. Colin was 140. So, you know, I just, uh, we were coming home from the tournament the weekend before, and I had thought about this all year. Um, and I went up to my coach and said, Hey, can I go up and wrestle Colin at 140? And knowing that it could impact the duel, if I lost that match, like we could lose the duel. Um, and, you know, we were able to work it out. But we had two brothers, Brian Stevens and Matt Stevens. And, uh, but we were able to work it out where, you know, we could bump the lineup around. And, uh, and there were some kind of crazy things that happened. And it was uh, like it, what? It, like what? Let's hear it. It's hard to remember now, but I remember there was a there was a, how old how old were you then? You're 17. 18? I was a senior in high school, yeah. So probably just turned 18 in December. So okay, this was a probably like a January February duel um, before you know, one of our last duels. So we had a, a phenom freshman that year. I think I'm pretty sure this was dual me. You're really dating. It's weird that. to hear you call someone a phenom freshman, which is kind of weird. This kid's name, his name was Felipe Martinez, and he was amazing. Um, he was actually like, we were training partners that year. I was a senior, you know, and he was <laughs> he pushed me more than anybody in the country were push, was pushing me that year, you know, as high school. So we were back to back weight classes. He was. Did he come to the school because you were there? No, he moved in. He moved in earlier. Um, but I mean, he was one of those kids that's in like sixth grade, but he weighed 140 pounds and he wow. was beating high school kids in sixth grade. And it was 140 pounds in high school, you know? So he was like ready. He was battle tested. He, I mean, he was really good. And I, I, I think, I think this is what happened. And I can't remember, but he was wrestling and I think he got disqualified in the match. So basically he would have won the match, you know, by a decision, major decision, whatever. And I think he got disqualified. So the other point got, it was basically the equivalent of that team getting a pin. So then that was, I think right before I wrestled. So the match with Colin and I got a lot tough. 
um, bigger because now the duel was a lot closer than what it would have been. Um, and it was pretty epic because uh, we, you know, for high school gym, you know, there's a thousand people packed in there. This was like before really like social media, it was way before social media. Um, you know, like that you go back and look at the match, like his grainy, grainy film, but it's packed in there. And uh, yeah, they were chanting your name. That's crazy in high school. It was wild. And uh, he got the first takedown. Um, and then, you know, I was able to, I think on escape, I got a takedown later in the match and um, ended up getting a turn really late. And that was kind of the big difference maker uh, in that match. And, you know, we both went on to win four state championships that year. And um, unfortunately, with Colin, he had just a lot of injuries. So in college, he never was able to really kind of continue wrestling at that level because I just think injuries from growing up and he had some really odd things happen. Um, but now he's coaching a youth club in Ohio, doing really well, um, coaching a high school in Ohio, uh, Columbus to sales. And, you know, it just, I think, you know, all those years of competing with each other, you know, it was uh, kind of pushed each other to do some really good things. Um, you know, his more on the coaching side. What, what state are you in right now? I live in Pennsylvania. So you, you were, where were you born? What state were you born? So my dad was in the military. Um, so I was born in uh, Reno, Nevada, briefly. Right, right. Then we moved to uh, Middlebrook, Florida, both before I was one. Then my dad okay. was in Delta Airlines, lived in Atlanta, Georgia. Then moved to Evanston, Wyoming, lived in Wyoming, then St. Paris, Ohio. And then I've what is in- What does Delta have in, in, in Evanston, Wyoming? What do they have there? We didn't. They had mountains. My dad always wanted to live. You know, my he he uh, he always wanted to live out west. So this is obviously prior to you know I was just a kid, five years old. Um, but we lived an hour and forty five minutes from the airport. Um, oh, so we okay. Commuted back and forth. So, but he just we you know he really wanted to live in the mountains, and you know that was just where he decided to 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 live. And um, it was and then so that was kind of like you know we moved there when I was five. My dad was commuting an hour and forty five minutes to the airport. He go he'd be gone three four days a week on his trips, domestic at the time. Come home, you know. Then we we lived on a farm and we had you know on a ranch we had horses we had you know all kinds of stuff. We had forty acres, so it was um, twenty acres, twenty forty. I don't know. One you of ended up moving five. to forty in um, Ohio. That was the That's next right. move. You know, my, you know <laughs> I did my research. Yeah. So that's what it was. It, we have 20, 20 Wyoming. Um, but then I started wrestling and then, you know, as I continued to you know evolve, we started driving. So my dad would make that trip to him from work, be traveling all the time. And then we'd be driving, my, either my mom, and my dad would be driving an hour and 45 minutes one way to practice a couple days a week. Um, and it just got, uh, it got a lot. And ultimately that was when we decided in sixth grade, moved to Ohio because I lived 10 minutes from practice. My dad still commuted to work, you know, an hour and a half, but, um, but I was 10 minutes to practice. So it was a lot more convenient on my family, you know, at that point. You tell a story about how you were able to, because your dad worked at Delta airlines to, to fly for free um, and, and, and check out tournaments that maybe other kids couldn't. So you got a ton of exposure. Are you familiar with a guy out of Salt Lake city? I actually, I don't think he's in Salt Lake city anymore, but he was, he worked for Delta and he started working there when he was 20 and he went on to become the world's greatest arm wrestler by far. Um, his name's John Brzezink. Do you know who that name? I don't, not until now. Oh, it's a really cool story. Um, there, there's a movie about him, um, uh, called pooling John, like pooling. Cause that's what the, the, uh, in arm wrestling, the, your first move is to pull the guy towards you. Anyway, I made the movie. To, oh, really? 
epic movie. Wow. I, I, I hate to pat myself on the back, but it's so it's so freaking good. It took me five years to make it, but but I just find it fascinating that he also worked at Delta, and your dad worked at Delta, and both you were able to parlay that into uh, into into great um, sports. Do you think is is wrestling fighting? Well, I, I mean, some would say it's the you know it's the oldest version of martial arts, um, and I think it's there's an element to it. I think your style depends. So, I mean, some people are just like, you know, very physical in their wrestling and some people are very technical in their wrestling. And I think there's <laughs> a lot of variance in between that, but I mean, sure. I mean, you get in a fight and you have, if you're a wrestler, you're going to have a big advantage, you know, as long as you don't get knocked out on that first punch, you're getting to the ground, you know, you're going to have, yeah, you know, that's why you see so many MMA guys, so many wrestlers transition to MMA and almost all the MMA champs now have wrestling backgrounds. Um, so I would say it's, uh, I'd say it's pretty valuable, you know, and fighting. Um, the, the, the thing when I used to, um, I used to wrestle with my sister every single day, you know, just come home from school and we would, we'd wrestle, but basically it was fighting, but there were rules. There right. was the unspoken rule. Don't punch. You can't punch in the face, but we would have other rules too. Like you could only use your right arm or you could only use your left arm or you couldn't use either of your arms or, and she was older than me. Um, but it, wrestling, the, the more and more I watch it, I watch a lot of UFC. Well, just every Saturday, but wrestling seems to me is just like fighting with um, like just rules. Like, so you don't get your teeth knocked out. And, and, and like what you did to that Azerbaijani guy, like he didn't like that. <laughs> so you put him in a, in a full Nelson to a pin. Like yeah. he, didn't, he didn't like that at all. No, it's, uh, you know, wrestling is, you know, it's, it's just, it, there's so many, he stayed down. Sorry to interrupt, David. He stayed down longer than a lot of people stayed down who got knocked out. Yeah. Well, I mean, getting rolled up in the world semifinals and a half, you know, that's uh, that's not something that people want to do. You know, it's those are those are not very very fun situations. Um, but you know, I'd rather be on that side of it than the other side. Does when he does that when he stays down and he's playing with his shoulders a little bit, is that more? Um, could he could he have gotten injured there or is that more just ego he's just check he's just can't yeah. believe what just happened yeah no i mean th that in that situation you know when you have an arm bar and a half it's just tight you know it's like you don't have you don't have a lot of where's it ways to go except to your back you know and uh it's just more like i just got stacked up in the world finals uh, i gotta make it look like something got hurt when i got pinned because right you know, kind of how you have to rationalize it i guess in your head that guy looks huge compared to you. Uh, I mean, I, he was tall. You know, he's a tall guy. I think for me, like I'm in my weight class, 86 kilos, 189 pounds. Um, I'm definitely the, I would say the biggest, if not one of the biggest in the weight class. You know, I, I walk around right around 200, but it's the lifestyle that I live, you know? So my body at 200, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty lean. I'm a little over six feet tall. Um, so it's like, I'm, 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 well, a lot of these guys, a lot of these foreigners, they're not very, they don't live that lifestyle. Like they're great wrestlers. Tell me you know? what you mean by that lifestyle. Like they don't eat like meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, little starch, no sugar, like go to bed on time, all that shit. No, I mean, no one in the world does that. You know, like, I mean, even, even in very few people, I mean, the diet <laughs> nutrition element has become so more, so much more prominent, you know, especially in like combat sports, you know, before it was like barbaric, like, oh, I'm going to cut all this crazy weight and I'm going to drink beer and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to think I can go perform really well. You can see now, like you're an MMA guy, you can see the guys that still do that because they look bloated, their body looks soft, they don't look right. The people that live a lifestyle, their body is lean and chiseled, um, and that maybe they have that weight descent, but there's a there's a proper way to do it and to refuel your body. 
Um, and I would say internationally, you know, they're just not, um, that's just not something they prioritize. They just, they're, they're the way they train and the way that, that I train are, is way different. You know, mine's very professional, very like regimented. Like I'm going to work on these days. I'm going to recover on these days. I'm going to eat these things. I'm going to recover, especially now that I'm 31 years old. I have two kids. My wife and I manage multiple businesses. Like my life's busy. So I have to be very regimented in those things. Those guys are just kind of waking up, going to the gym and there, a lot of it's on talent. Um, and the ones that do more are the ones that are very successful consistently. Um, so I think that's why when you see wrestling or you see fighting, they might be the same weight class, but you're like, man, that guy looks so much bigger. It's not really that they're that much bigger. It's just that person's body physique and composition, whether it's naturally gifted or they just prioritize that stuff a little bit more is why you see that. Thank you, Caleb. I saw you changed his name to his Instagram account. Caleb, David, David, Caleb. How's it going, Caleb? If you, if you need anything like a glass of water or you have any questions about the U.S. Air Force, um, he's in the Air Force. Uh, he can do all that. If you need your name awesome. changed or you want to see a video clip of when you were six, Caleb can do all that. I just stuff. I got a little window here. I saw he just popped up and sat down in the back. He's such a good dude. Such a good dude. Hey, how 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 does how do you meet? How did you meet your wife? What's your wife's name? Kendra. How do you meet? How do you have time to meet a girl? I, and like in like uh, cultivate a relationship. I mean, I, I wasn't um, I wasn't probably as intense when I was younger. You know, I was I was very driven with wrestling, um, and I was intense. But I, I definitely. What do you mean intense? What do you mean intense? Um. Well, I mean, I, obviously, when, when you, before you know, I, I always wanted to be a great wrestler, but you know, you you have different you know kind of priorities when you're younger, you know, and obviously, I think when. But when I wrestled my wife, or I wrestled my wife when I was a kid, that was how we met. So when we were, um, so her wow, family, yeah, this is so better her, than I thought. Yeah, it's pretty good. So my my uh, my wife's family, great wrestler. So her brother Jimmy Kennedy was a um, multiple time All American, University of Illinois, great youth wrestler. Um, is now a coach at Penn State. They just wow. lived moved out here, so we all live in the same area now. Her younger brother, great athlete, great wrestler, state champion in high school. And, uh, he wrestled at the University of Michigan. So growing up, like you're all in the same circuit. And my wife wrestled, and she was a great wrestler too. But at the time, women's wrestling hadn't really taken off. So she was really good. And her dad was just like, well, you're just going to do what Jimmy's doing and what Cameron's doing. Um, and she was wrestling, going to practice, battling bloody noses, you know, broken collarbones and, uh, you know, going out and battling. And we wrestled at a, so the, as a kid, there were like three major tournaments. It was, you had a tournament in, in November called the, the Cliff King kickoff classic. You had a January one called Tulsa nationals. And then you had one in April called Reno worlds. And if you won one of those tournaments, you were really good. Are um, one, were one of those, the Iron Man that I keep seeing in all the videos about you or no, that's a different one. Different one. That's a high school okay. tournament. So okay, these are okay. tournaments. So you sorry. Have sorry. Okay. Six, eight, 10, 12, 15 and under divisions. And, okay. um, very competitive. And if you won all three of them, you would win this thing called the Trinity award. And that was like rare, you know, to win all three of those awards, but, and the, there wasn't, a t it wasn't super saturated at the time. Like there wasn't like, like now there's 100 youth national tournaments. So to say you're a national champion, you could go to a hundred different <laughs> back then it was basically those three, like you won those, those were a big deal. So we, we were at, um, Reno and I wrestled Kendra in the quarterfinals of this tournament. So no she, shit. She'd already beat a couple of good people. Had you ever seen her before? 
so I knew her. So I you, you knew that I mean, you know, Ken, I knew you no, know, we knew my family was friends with, with her family. You know, like Jimmy was a stud. He was always like the weight, you know, he was always battling like the age group above me. Cameron How close did they live to you? Sorry, I keep interrupting David, but that's just a bad habit of mine. Blame my mom. No, it's fine. How close so did she live to you? They live in Illinois. Um, and so, you were in Ohio. So when you say you knew them, it's not like they came over for dinner shit. You just saw them in tournaments. These tournaments. Cause like you're, you know, you're in the same youth circuit, like all the okay. best kids are going to the same events. Okay. You know, you're okay. going to the same camps and clinics or whatever you're going to. Um, so we wrestled in the quarterfinals that morning. It was wild. So that morning I woke up and I had my first ever back spasm. I couldn't tie my shoes. I thought I you were going to say your first ever wet dream. God, I was really hoping you were going to well, say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I can't tie my shoes. I can't put my socks on. How old I'm, are you? Uh, I was, it was 10 and I think 10 and under. So I was probably 10 years old and having back spasms. Yeah. I was like nine, 10 years old, whatever it was. And I'm like nervous, really nervous because you wrestling a girl. you never want to lose to a girl. Yeah. I can't tie my shoes. I have a heat pad on my back. You know, and basically my dad's like, you better toughen up because no shit. you need to like, you know, be ready to go. Um, and then I guess I would be like, scared if I was your dad. I, my dad's a very anxious guy. So I know he was like, I know he had an element in his back of his head. Like my son could lose to this girl. No, I'd be worried about your back. I wouldn't be worried about oh, no. that. No, no, no. I don't. He was just like, suck it up. Quit being a wuss. You know, basically okay. what his, his response was. Um, <laughs> I just got like a, a, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm, I just I'll enter like, can't let this happen. I went out and pinned her in like 30 seconds. So, and was your back still tight when you went out there and it just goes oh, yeah. away for a second because of adrenaline and then comes back as soon as you're done? Yeah. I mean, I, I dealt with a lot of back issues my whole career and that was the first time I'd ever like was an issue. Like I was at a competition and this wasn't right. Um, and we'll see you. Bye. And, uh, have a good day. Yeah. Bye. Bye. She, so yeah, but she ended up, I think coming back and getting like third or fourth place in that tournament. So she like, did, did yeah, she, she just hear, hear you tell the story about whooping her ass? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, place. she said she got third place so yeah <laughs> we can go back and find that bracket sheet and her dad says she has a, the film so when we got married like when he was giving his speech he said he was going to give it to me i need that video but he still he still handed it over so you're and, and tell me her name again her name's kendra kendra so um did you did you feel anything um for her at, at 10 years old well i just think you, you know like, i don't really remember that right. much but her dad made her send this like a school picture on the back said, you know, love Kendra basically. And that after was after that of, match, after that match. Yeah. And my parent, my dad and her dad had this like arranged joking marriage, like that one day we would like have super babies. Yeah. And you know, I funny because that's uh, you know hopefully the way that it's going to work itself out. But then I was in study hall when I was in high school. So my senior year, I had like a bunch of study halls because I was taking a lot of online classes so I could travel and do things. And I get this ding on, you know, obviously I was on Facebook. I wasn't doing my homework and I get this ding and I'm like, Kendra Kennedy wants to be your friend. I'm like, wow, no way. This is the girl. This girl's smoking hot. There's no way this is the girl I wrestled when I was a kid. And of course I was sending her a message and we're joking back and forth. And I'm like, and I kind of go through a profile and I realize, yeah, this is the same girl. And I came home and told my dad, my dad, you'll never believe like who messaged me on Facebook. He's like, who are you doing on Facebook? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, then we just kind of started becoming really good friends. Like we just like 
talk on the phone. Like I was in a pretty regimented schedule when I was a kid. Like my parents, like no joke would be like, you can talk on the phone from nine to nine 30 at night and you need to go to bed. So I would be on the phone at nine 30 and they'd be coming down like, Dave, can you get off the phone? I'd be talking to Kendra, like hiding under my pillow, you know? So we just became really good friends, like, you know, through my senior year and you know, <laughs> year in college. And then um, I redshirted. She went to the university of Illinois on, and was running track. Um, and wow. she had a, uh, her, she had a bone spur on Achilles and it basically shredded it. So, you know, it ended her career. So they went and shaved, you know, cut her Achilles, shaved her bone and, she could never really compete after that. Um, I registered that year. And then the next year we started dating and then we just dated all through college. And then uh, we got married in 2016. And now we got two beautiful girls. My oldest will be two. You sure uh, do. Month, and my youngest will be uh, well, six months. So it's, uh, it's kind of crazy how it all happens. Let's say this is the, the heel of the foot just sitting in here. And, and then this, this, so the Achilles is that tendon that comes down, right? Attached yeah. to the big old thick one in the back. So yeah. you're saying behind there somewhere, she got a bone spur and yeah. because of the shape of the bone spur, it started cutting into her Achilles. Yeah. Cause she, so she, when she stopped, she stopped wrestling. Um, uh-huh. when she was in seventh grade, just because, you know, girls wrestling wasn't really a thing. And, you know, she was a pretty girl and was tired of getting bloody noses. So her dad's like, all right, we're going to run track, you know? So uh-huh. she ran track and she was really good. She was, um, she was second. Well, she actually got second in the state. Um, and got disqualified because she stepped on the line, you know, while running. So, you know, she was really competitive. She's a super athlete, very competitive. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so, and she was, she was, every time she was running, that thing was just like shredding her Achilles and it was super painful. And then they cut it, shaved the bone, reattached it. Um, and it's just like, it's, you know, you, you, those Achilles injuries become are now very common, but you know, back then 10 years ago, you know, the technology was different. Um, and it's uh, a trip that your own body would do that to you. Yeah. It's messed up. Yeah. I want to show you something. You just said something that, um, I, I saw this the other day. I have a live call in show where just people call in live. I have no guests. I do it like once a week. And, and I always like, whenever I see stuff, I, I pick it and I show it on live call in show. So I was going to show this on my live call in show, but I'm going to show it to you. Uh, now give me one second. Um, you said something that made me think of this. Sorry, Caleb. I'm going to take the screen for a second. Um, oh, should I just send it to you? Here, that's what I'm going to do. Caleb, I'm going to send it to you in a, in a text. Isn't technology amazing? I can just copy the link, send it to him in a text, then he gets it, and then he wow. plays, it, plays it for the world to see. I'm fascinated by this this whole podcast setup, too, just like how you can get those things that come up. I mean, it's just it's so cool, so interactive. And there's people chiming. We're live, too. So the, the – um, uh, let's see. I, I uh, let's see what this person says about you. This guy has never had a hell in a cell match with the Undertaker. That must be like a WWE reference or something. Maybe wrestlers, for uh, <laughs> maybe someday, maybe someday, if you want to challenge me, I could show him a little some something. You, you know, I had I had um I had a uh, Alexander Volkanovsky on the show recently. I had Aljamain Sterling. I had Kayla Harrison on the show. I don't know if you know the judo Olympian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had Patrick Bed David on and, and, and people get excited and I have a lot of cool guests on. Um, uh, but when I, when I, when yesterday they announced you were going to be on the show on our podcast on, and people are like, Oh my God, I can't believe you got David Taylor. He's like, basically like, he's so out of your league. I'm like, Oh, thanks guys. <laughs> thanks guys. No, okay. I'm check this, check, there. check this out. Check this out. The only tough when one person's working on it. Two people can move a couch real easy. We'll have to hear the beginning again so you can understand. One the person can't move it at all. 
you're in a relationship, let me, let me, let me try to help you right now. Stop competing. It's not a fucking competition. Her success is your success, and your success is her success. Stop competing. Oh, relationships are tough. No, they're not. They're only tough when one person's working on it. Two people can move a couch real easy. One person can't move it at all. You in a um, relationship? So let me, let me I watch this, and I'm like, I can't relate to that at all because I. I I, I I don't even really know what it means to be competitive, let, it, let alone be competitive against my wife. I don't think. D does that resonate with you at all? Or it it, it does a lot. So you, you know, it's interesting that that you brought that up. It's crazy how when it's crazy how things work themselves out. But I I try. So right now I'm in the middle of doing this documentary. Um, basically I'm like, what's next after the Olympics? So what am I doing? And it's going to be on live trained. It's a new platform. It's going to be really cool. I forgot to tell you guys, David Taylor um, won the gold medal in the Olympics in Tokyo in one of the hardest sports that's ever been on this planet wrestling. Sorry, go ahead. No problem. And, uh, you know, it's just, and, and so like they're asking these questions about, you know, what it's like and, you know, what it was like to get to our mat, you know, what is our life like now? And it's, it's really hard to <laughs> put that in perspective because we are such a team. Like when I, when I say like we won an Olympic gold medal, we did that together. I couldn't do it without her. You know, I, I was, uh, we were, I was just talking to the guy that you saw the guy who was doing, do, you know, coming in and do the drug test. And he was talking about how he's meal prepping and he's talking about how he's training and he's, you know, trying to eat 4,500 calories a day. And I'm like, I've been there, man. I know what you're talking about. He's like, it's so hard. I'm like, yeah, I couldn't have done it because my wife was the one that was able to do that for me. You know, she, it's like, Hey, she knew this was my dream since I was a little kid and she's willing to always put you know, what I was trying to do in front of what she was doing, you know, she's a nurturer, she's a lover. And like, yeah, it's really hard on her, you know, all the time, but she's just like that, you know, that was what our goal was. You know, she understood like I'm how much I, you know, work for that. So when, 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 when we see these relationships and I think where it changes a lot for athletes is you're, it's a very selfish, right. To be the best at something, if it's the best in the state, the country, the world, you have to be pretty selfish with your time because it doesn't just mistakenly happen. Like you got to be, you know, you got to be prioritizing like your training, your recovering nutrition and all those things because it makes such a small detail. So if you're on your own doing it, like, okay, if you have like a girlfriend or a wife that can help you with those things, that's even better. Like I was fortunate because my girlfriend and, and then my wife was like, she, that was, she loved doing that and helping me do those things. And, um, but then when you have kids, so you're used to being successful doing that, right? I was, I was successful doing that up to basically to win a world championship 2018. Then I tore my ACL in 2019. And basically I was just training my ass off that whole time. So I felt like I just reached a pinnacle part in the world. And now I'm going to keep, I'm going to start racking off these world Olympic championships. Like that's where I'm at. I got hurt. And I feel like I'm missing time. I have 10 months till the Olympic games. I have to get surgery. I've got to come back. So my mindset is like, I got to go, got to go, got to go for doing what I could do, knowing that I can't wrestle. I got a bum knee. I'm, I'm so I was rehabbing. I was training. My nutrition was on point. So I'm like the day I'm cleared to wrestle, I'm ready to go. I'm not missing a second because I'm out of shape and I'm not paying attention and all those things. So that was, again, like when I'm talking about these things, like I was wrestling, but my wife was the support in doing that. She's the one that like picked me up when I'm crying in bed because I'm feel like I'm never going to be back. 
you know, and she's the one that was like, all right, we got to get serious nutrition. You got to cut doing all this other stuff. You got to focus on what you're doing. And how about the more mundane stuff too? Like, um, you get a letter from the DMV saying you forgot to register your car, but you really did. And someone has to go to the DMV. Does she do that too? Yes. Cause that shit's crazy. My wife does all that shit, like takes care of the home payments. And I, I just do podcasts, just sit around and talk shit. And, yeah, it's crazy. And that's crazy. Kind of so when you're talking about yeah. like relationships, like it's, uh, so she's there for you emotionally, physically, financially, intellectually. She's like just covering every base. Pretty much. Yeah. Financially, I kind of do the financial stuff. Well, you know uh, what I mean. Oh, yeah. do you do the financials? You, I guess I pay the bills, but I don't really, I don't do like the big stuff. Like, like if you buy a house, do you fill out the paperwork or does she? That's a good question. You know, when it, so I'll, I do don't it, do that. I, she got to do that. That takes everybody brain power. Everybody in my life knows that, okay, David's going to do it to a certain point, but if you want to follow through and you want something done, you need to talk to Kendra. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, let's get that house. (laughs) My banker, you know, my accountant, you know, my everyone's just like, okay, just talk to Kendra, you know, like they know. Okay, so she's the adult. She's the one. Yeah, she's the one that needs to take care of all those things. Yo, so but what I was saying is in a relationship, and I think where athletes really struggle, and I think what's gonna be unique about you know this next part of of my journey was (coughs) you once you have kids, then everything changes. And, you know, your, your wife goes from, okay, or your girlfriend or significant other who's supporting you, you know, kind of supporting you, but now the kids are first. And, you know, I think that changes because you're used to having success doing things a certain way, you know, like like our whole life was built around, like we would train, you know, like I recover. And when I say we, cause that's like kind of what it was like then, but then we were mobile. Like if we wanted to go do on vacation or go get away, we could go do that. And then once you have kids, now it's like you're, you do all that. Plus you, you're, you're responsible for somebody else. And, uh, you know, now having two kids, you know, and I think that that's where you truly have this relationship of not competing. It's not about, well, I changed this diaper. You got to change this diaper. Or I fed them this morning. You got to feed them this morning. You know, it's just like, that's where you truly test your relationship. And, uh, you have, I see it like that. That's a nightmare for me. For me, I, I, I nipped that in the bud right away. If a kid needed a diaper, it, it was for me, it was, I guess I did compete, but for me, it was like, I need to change the most diapers. Right. She had I the kid. I need to, I need to be there and do that. Why? Well, I, I think, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of fun too. Cause it's your, it's your one-on-one time with the kid, right? They're just like looking up at you. Yeah. It's just you and them. It's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been so amazing, you know, to like, to do, to do this journey and um, to be able to do these things. But now like my, my oldest is going to be two and she's running all over the place. Like now she, she knows when I'm gone and you know, she's excited when I get home and I think she's starting to understand a little bit, like kind of like what I do. Not, she has no idea like what I'm doing, but you know, like when I'm at work, like, you know, we talk about like dad's at work, you know, and I'm training and then she's excited to come home and, and you're tired. Like I, when I go and train, it's, I'm a hundred percent all out, training like i don't hold anything back when it's my training session so i'm beat tired i come home and and like early on i'm like man i'm tired but i'm like my daughter's only going to be this age for so long like i'm wasting time if i think i'm gonna sit put up and put my feet on the couch then i'm like not being a good dad so now i come home and like see her and i hold her and you know it's when it comes time to putting her bed i want to lay in bed with her and hang out with her because you know it's like i don't get this time with her forever so, you know, it's been, it's been really fun. Like, you know, Ivy's still six months old, so she's like growing and she's kind of not really that phase, but we're London's, you know, being that two years old, like we can kind of have a conversation and it's, uh, 
it's so funny how your, your perspective starts to shift and change, you know? So now when I'm training and I'm competing, you know, I'm like, man, I, I want to be a good role model for my daughter. I want her to see like what hard work looks like. And if you sacrifice, you know, and I think sacrifice is not really always a great word, but that's kind of an easy word to say, but yeah, I hate that word too. You know, it's like, but if because you do, you're doing what you want to do, yeah, I'm doing what I want to do. You know, like, it's my choice, especially now. Like I've, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. It's my choice to do these things now. And I'm like, but I feel different because now it's like, okay, I'm making the choice to do this. I need to make it worth the time because I am taking away from my family, you know? And it's like, it's, uh, it's just interesting how that shifts over time, but it all started with the competing relationship. And I'm very lucky because with my wife, it's always a team and it's hard because she carries definitely a lot more on her plate than I do, but, um, I'm just very lucky. Um, she's just, just very, very lucky with her, her support and she's an amazing mom. And, um, it's, it's, it's a, it, you know, we're achieving these things together, you know? It's crazy that you have two kids at 31. I had my, uh, I have three, three kids, but I had my first one at 43. And so by the time I have them at 40, I, and I grinded in my thirties, I filmed movies in a hundred countries. I mean, I was, I was, I was working and, but you're going to do both. You're going to, you're going to grind your thirties are your grinding years, right? You're taking all that shit that incredible rich history you have in your first 30 years and you're going to use that, but you're also going to raise kids. It's, 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 it's amazing. Um, does, does your wife have a, um, I'm way off subject now. Does your wife have a creative outlet? Like, does she take pictures of the kids or does she, does she have anything where she's, she gets to express her creativity? Well, so we have, um, I, w- I, w- I would say, well, yeah, I asked because I think that's a mental escape for people, a, a healthy one, a good one. Well, I mean, she's always saying, I mean, she's always like, David, I have all these pictures of you and the kids, but I don't have very many of me and the kids. Like you need to take pictures. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I just, I guess that's a, it's a good point. So and I, I'm just a bad picture taker. I like people taking pictures of me, but I'm not very good at taking pictures, but we, we, so we have a, a juice bar that we run called K2 Roots. And, and when I say we, she does that. Two of them. Well, two. Yeah. So we just consolidated. Um, so we have one, we had two locations and we just consolidated to one location, downtown state college, just a lot easier on, on everybody. Congrats. Like I, I'm just, I just basically show up and eat the food and pretty much like that's what she does. So that's her outlet. I mean, she's, um, and we have, I don't know, we have like 12 employees, all college kids. So she's, wow. she's like, her, she's like mom to them. <laughs> So it's just, and so creative is, so all these pictures and all the creation of our food and, and what we're going to serve and our menus and, you know, all this stuff, this is all her vision. Um, and I think this is her outlet of, you know, these kids are pretty lucky. Like they got a great boss. Like she's, she's a very, very good schedule of like, this is what it's supposed to be like. This is the routine you got to follow. And it's very consistent when people come in and, um, she's, she's phenomenal. And this is, I think, uh, a good this is, I guess, her outlet, you know, um, but also she really loves it. She loves nutrition and taking care of people. And this is kind of a way that she can do it, um, you know, I guess the most. You've, you've had, uh, you've been in this business for four years already? It's crazy. Yeah. So we started, so I started uh, our training, my M2 training center in fall of 2017. And we started Key 2 Roots in the spring of 2018. Oh, M2 is, it, what's M2 stand for? Me, what, what's M2 stand for? Uh, magic man, magic man. Right. So she's getting her MBA. Basically she's cutting her teeth. She's, she's, she's learning like real, she's in real business school. Yeah. 
it, it's amazing. Like when I was in school, I didn't learn any of the stuff that applies now, honestly. And I, I focused on wrestling primarily, you know, I had a great education at Penn state, but I was focused on, on wrestling and I wanted to get good grades cause I was competitive, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew that I knew I was going to wrestle. I knew, you know, being an Olympic champion was my goal. And I was like, I'm never going to get a real job, real job, you know, until after that's over. And then in that time, like I remember, so I just graduated, I had just graduated in college. So when you come out of college, like, I mean, I wish NIL stuff was available when I was in school, that would have been nice, but it what was, what did you say? You wish what was available? This NIL, this name, image, and likeness stuff oh. for all your college kids, you can get paid, you know? Okay. And Don't know about it. When I was in school, that, that wasn't, um, that wasn't a thing. So when I graduated, you know, I, uh, you know, my brand was strong and I, I had some endorsements, but I graduated in 2014. So 2016 was the next Olympic cycle. And I think a lot of the brands that I was with, you know, yeah, okay, this kid's going to, the next kid to win the Olympics in 2016. Like we're going to establish, you know, we're going to, we're going to su- support this guy. And, uh, it's hard. It's hard to make a team. And at the time, you know, Jordan Burroughs was a returning Olympic champion. Um, and, uh, I was, I was behind him at that weight class. Um, I was kind of stuck. I was a tweener. I was between making 163 pounds and I was too small for 189 pounds and I was cutting down and I was very inconsistent because I just, I was kind of lost a little bit. I was not at the right weight class and I wasn't. So the brand started to go away. So after that time, the brands went away in 2016 and that's how we, you know, support, I was trying to support, you know, my, my life, my family. So I'm like, listen, I, I, I'm just going to take this, we're going to do our own thing and we're going to start our own businesses and we're going to put time and effort into it. And it's something that's sustainable well after I'm done competing. Um, mm. And we started a training center, you know, something I was very passionate about helping kids and, you know, it's, it's grown. So we're, uh, you know, going into our fifth, sixth year of that and it's growing tremendously. And then we started K2 Roots, you know, and something that I was like, man, there's not a place in state college where it's a good, healthy place to go hang out and, and have good food as a college athlete. Town needed it. Um, it was something that I was becoming a lot more passionate about in my training. And Kendra was already making all that for me. So we're like, well, we could just do it for other people. And, uh, you know, now it's like, it was a hard at the time. Like people were like, hey, dude, you say you want to be a world Olympic champion. And now you're putting more on your plate. You need to like focus on wrestling and training. And once you win, you can do that stuff. But I'm like, what if, what if I, well, I never want to say what if I don't win, but what if you put five, six years into it and you're just trying to grind and you have nothing and then you're going to start your life and you're 31 years old. So we started them. And coincidentally, when I had the outlets outside of wrestling, these are businesses, that was when I had the most success of my career because oh, I could focus wow. on those things. Then I could focus on wrestling, <laughs> wrestling and then I, I had different things that I could kind of focus on. And, uh, I started to have a lot more success. It was less pressure on like, I got to be this champion. I have to do this. This is the next step. It was like, I'm going to do this. I want to do this, but I'm also doing these other things I'm really passionate about and growing and they're sustainable. So now they're set up and they're running and they're, they're doing a great. And now it's like, we have a choice. We want to make them bigger. Do we want to keep them the same? I had a choice at the Olympics. Do I want to keep wrestling or do I want to be done? And I could honestly make that decision um, based on, you know, what we had done. So and, and then, you know, brands, you know, brands are going to, they're going to follow and stuff. And I try and align with, with places that I, that I believe in. And that's an element, you know, you have a, you have a short window, you know, to be, you know, a sponsored athlete, but now we have these things that are sustainable, you know, they create cash flow for us and we have a way to, uh, you know, it's an outlet and it's a way to help people, which are things that we really like to do. Yeah. That's the cool part, right? It's, it's so in your wheelhouse. 
I need to be healthy. I need to optimize my health, my longevity, my nutrition. So it's, 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 there's nothing more that a brand could have than someone who wants to consume the product product who's at the highest level. Like we know that LeBron James sells Sprite and that um, Mexico, 55% of all the calories consumed in Mexico are soft drinks. And that's why they're the leading country in type two diabetes. And that's why when they get COVID, they die. And we know that's what LeBron's doing. It's, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. Fucking horrible. You know, he's not. Doing and yet, he's not. Yeah, he's not. Right, 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 right. And yet you don't have to do that. You, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to pedal Sprite to make uh, $18 million a year. You st- you're starting your own thing. And like you can sincerely say, and there's nothing better than being free, man. There's nothing better. Like no one can just walk up to that dude and be like, so you think Sprite's good for kids? Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's horrible. And that's, it's, it's horrible. Great. It's poison. It's nice, like when you know. So we have control, like K two roots. You know, it's like so we ha- we can make a choice every time we have a menu item. We say, okay, yeah. do we want to put shit into this and make yeah. a little bit more money, or do we want to put something good quality, make a little bit less money, but be happy? So every time I go down a K two roots, yeah, I can say I want I can I'll consume every item on this. So people are like, what's the best thing? I'm like, I'll eat everything on here. They're like really, even with your diet? I'm like, yeah, definitely. You know, because that's just like. I like to go down there and eat lunch and, 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 you know, have meetings and enjoy being down there with my wife and our staff during the afternoon and not feel like oh, I can't really eat this or I can't really eat that because I wouldn't eat it. Um, so it's nice. It's, it's a nice convenient thing for us, you know, to have a juice ready every single day and to have, you know, bowls and smoothies and things that I can integrate, you know, on the grab and go and, and feel good about it. And everyone else can feel good about going there too. And if it's your business, you can, um, you can just tell the truth. Like the, the, yeah, I don't eat that thing. Yeah. That's only if I win the Olympics again, do I get to eat that? I come straight yeah. here and I get to eat that. Like, you can just be honest. Honesty is great. Yeah. Your, your, your sister's a crazy accomplished athlete in her own right. Um, you're a crazy accomplished athlete from a young age it seems to me that a lot of these people who are so successful that they have some sort of pathology. Like, well, one of the things I wrote up here on the very top of my notes was, is like, no one, no one can um, empathize with uh, David Taylor. No one can understand really what, and, and you may not be able to empathize with anyone like David Taylor. You have to maybe, maybe with your kids, you can, when you give yourself up, not to get you know too deep and esoteric, but what you've done is put yourself in this really unique um, experience as a human being. It's like you almost like you came from Mars. There's so few people who've done what you've done. Um, But those other people seems like they always had something really bad happen when they were little, like uncle Buck molested them for five years or their cousin died in a car accident that they were in and they fucking lived and they fucking can't believe they live. So they have to, you know, they have to live two lives, you know, there, you know what I mean? There's some sort of, um, there's a, uh, two, there's a great arm wrestler named uh, Travis Bajant and a great uh, CrossFit athlete named Danielle Brandon. And when they talk about their, uh, oh, or even, um, the hillbilly hammer, right. Um, uh, do you know who that is from Pettigo um, submissions, the jujitsu phenomenon? Anyway, so basically, he lived in a trailer park. These are people who are running away from their childhood, trying for, and they're using sports to try to like make friends, take a cold shower, and get food, right? But you didn't have any of that, right? No. <laughs> yeah, this guy. So, um, uh, J- oh, thank you, uh, Jacob Crouch. So, what pushes? 
how did you do it? How do you have this killer instinct? Like, do you have to make stories up in your head? Like if I don't win this match, a monster is going to eat me or like, what, what do you, um, my, my wife's going to leave me if I don't win this match. Like what, what narratives do you spin to put, I'm guessing you have to fabricate pressure or, or explain to me what's going on inside that noggin years. That's a good question. And no one's ever asked me that before. You know, um, I don't, I was just driven at a young age, you know, and I don't know why it was wrestling and, and what it was, but, and I was successful right away, but not like uber successful. Like it wasn't like I, you know, never lost a match as a youth wrestler. You know, I was losing matches. Um, How old were you when you started? I started wrestling when I was five. Okay. You know, and I would say I won my first national championship when I was eight. So once I, but once I was 10, you know, when I was nine, nine, 10 and under, that, that really is when my success really started where it was like, I've lost, you know, very few matches since then, you know, for the amount of matches that I wrestled and it was never, you know, for, for a lot of my peers, you know, it was the dads were like trying to live vicariously through their kids. And me, that's me, that's me. And, uh, and it was, um, you know, it was the kids didn't necessarily always want to go to the tournaments. The dads were doing it. At that age, I was saying, hey, dad, I want to go to practice. I want to go to this place. I, I want to wrestle this tournament. You know, I want to go this weight class. And I was like always what I wanted to do. And my dad would facilitate those things. Yeah. So well, the way that he would motivate me the most would be like, we're not going. We're not going. You, you wrestling like a wuss. We're not going. And I, I look back and I'm like, dad, you realize like you were, you were skating on thin ice because I could have 100% just gone the different direction. You know, and just been like, all right, fine. I'm, I'm, but I was just so driven that I wanted to go. So I would do anything I could do to make sure I could go. So that next practice, I was whooping ass. So I'm like, I want to go show them that. And I'm like, dad, you realize that you were holding me to the standard of excellence at a young age that I was giving up like one takedown. I would get taken down one time in practice. And that was like, it wasn't worth our trip, essentially. You know, and but he knew he would it. say that he would say that to you. Yeah. I so mean, so there was crazy accountability. Yeah. But he wasn't so my dad was <clears throat> I mean, he was really hard on me, but he loved me and but he knew that's how I was driven. Like if I wasn't how did driven, he show his love to you? How did he show his love? Did he hold you a lot? Do I? Did he hold you a lot? No, I mean I just think he you know, he always like, you know, he just always just tell me love me. You know, he always oh he would hug me, you know, he would he was there for me. Like, you know, obviously when I didn't, it's hard, you know, I think to, it's not like there's people don't really come out of like, I would say that the, the success that, that I had, you know, obviously there's a, a standard of excellence that I was holding myself to. And he held me to the same standard. It's like, you say you want to do these things and this is what it's going to require, you yeah. know, and, and I'll take you, but you have to do them, you know, so yeah. it's all very like self-driven. So he's like, all right, I'm gone for these four days. These are, you know, th these are the things that, you know, you, you need to be doing basically if you want to go and I would do them, you know, he's like, all right, you have to have good grades. All right. So I was a straight A student, you know, you have to have your homework done. I would do my homework on the airplane before the tournament would start it. You know, it's like, but I was picked up from practice, I was picked up from school and we'd have a, you know, a smoothie and, you know, chicken and rice and whatever in a bowl. And I was eating in the car and my dad and I just spent tons of time together and on the road. Hour and a half. Oh, you, there it is. You spent tons of time with your dad. Tons of time, you know. And what he always did 
which I think was different than a lot of other people was we always did something that wasn't wrestling related. So although wrestling was the foundation on a lot of what our relationship was because we spent so much time doing it, but we would also go, go hunting, you know? So we'd go three or four days. And I remember one time we went to Jackson hole and we were going to go hunting and it wasn't about the hunt. It was about just going and doing stuff. And it was freezing cold. It was like 20 degrees below zero. And my dad's like, we're just going to go to the hotel and we're going to hang out. And we just spent two or three days together. And I was like eight or nine years old at that time. We would go to a tournament. So every time we go down to that tournament, you know, we go, go see a movie where a lot of other people would be, you know, they'd be doing whatever they were doing. We go watch a movie together, you know, go to the theater and spend that time, you know, but we had so many hours in rental cars and driving to tournaments and flying. And, you know, I, uh, we had very mature conversations. Like we'd be driving and I used to love this game. So back then it wasn't like phones, we'd have maps. So we'd be like, all right, uh, tell me the coordinates. Uh, my dad was, you know, military background. So he'd be like, all right, tell me the coordinates of this, of this town. You know, so I have to find the town and say, oh, it's E11 on the map. So paper, paper map. Yeah. Paper map. From AAA. From AAA. Those are know? dope. Yeah. Who would like navigate. So we'd be like, all right, how are we going to get from, uh, from Stillwater to Tulsa for this tournament? And I'd be like, all right, dad, we're going to jump on this highway and we're going to drive this way. You know, so. Every time that I met somebody, you'd always say, hey, Dave, you know, go up, shake their hand, you know, tell them, you know, who you are and, you know, what you do. And my dad's a very proud dad, you know, like he flew, he represented Delta Airlines the best that he could, you know, his suit was, or, you know, his uniform was always pressed correctly. He wore the tie the way he was supposed to wear, he wore his hat the way he was supposed to wear it because he, he was proud. So he taught me to be the same thing. You know, he's like, if you're going to do something, do it to the best of your ability and, uh, you know, and, and put everything into it. So yeah, it was hard, you know, like I tell we have these conversations now and I would say now our relationship is definitely the, I would say it's the best relationship that we've had because it's more dynamic than it is was just wrestling before. It was like, I mean, and I, I can relate to him because he and my mom, they put so much into helping me fulfill what I wanted to do. Like, I don't know how they did it. Cause I mean, if I had to make that decision right now for my kids, it would be really hard. It'd be really hard. I don't to do what they did for me. I don't know if it is very replicable. And he's like, my dad tells me, he's like, I could never do it again. You know, but well, yeah, you can't, if someone, if someone tells you how hard it is to be a parent, no one ever becomes a parent. Yeah. But, but, but you, but you just do it. Right. Like you've never realized how happy you would be to wipe someone's ass. Like, no one could ever convince you you'd be excited to wipe someone's ass. And yet every time my kids call me to wipe their ass, I'm like, yeah, like I could be sleeping in the middle of the night, jump out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I got this. So it's, it was, uh, it's hard. You know, it's definitely, I think that's a hard thing for people, <coughs> like the empathy thing, like, yeah, you know, people, peers, family members, they were just like, David's going to get burnt out. You're doing. Yeah. Too yeah. You know? Your dad must have heard that a lot. Your dad oh. must have taken a lot of abuse from people. You're pushing your kid too hard. This is inappropriate. It's abuse. Yeah. I mean, probably, you know, and I think as you have success, then obviously then jealousy follows and, you know, like insecurity follows those things. And he just like, you just, you keep staying, you keep staying focused on what you want to do and you'll, you'll do great things. Um, and every, I just think I, for me, the, dr- the driving factor was I just always wanted to be the best at what I was doing. And I think in wrestling was a way that I could, I could put in the work and I could go do it in competition. And where most people were in competition would tighten up and, 
it, it was about, that was where I thrived. You know, it was like, you could be a practice room wrestler, you could be a competitor. And I was good in the practice room, but I, when I competed, I was a different beast. You know, it was just like, I was going out there to dominate somebody. And every age group that I went through, people would always, that was the thing like, oh, you're successful. Well, you can't do it when you're 10. You can't do it when you're 12. You can't do that when you're junior high, in high school, college, international level. And I did it the whole way through. And that was the thing that that I think was for me is when I look back, like in wrestling, I was a great wrestler, but I did it every time I stepped on the mat. I was, I've never been afraid to put it on the line and to go dominate people, you know, and you I could have chose the one by one point or two points or three points, but man, I was driven to win by eight or 10 or 12 or 15 every time I stepped on the mat. Um, and that was like what really motivated me when I, when things were hard and when whatever it may be, because that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to do it at the highest level. And it, so you're familiar with that. There's a person that on the mat that you, enjoy embodying and he really only exists on the mat when someone else is trying to stop you from what you're doing. And that, that, that does that person ever show up anywhere else in life or is it always just in competition? That mm. the, the, do those, do those pieces ever align and express themselves other places? Yeah. I think in everything, you know, I think like I they have, do? This, it does. I think anything that I really care about that it, 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 it that's how it is. You know, so like if your wife's like, hey, I gotta talk to you, you'll you'll bring it to your listening. You'll be like, you'll be like, okay, fuck, I'm gonna give this ten thousand percent of listening right now. Yeah, I have to work on it because like I feel yeah, my you know, my Who mind doesn't? would be in different places. Right. You know? So I have to and that's where in wrestling, that's the one thing in my life from an attention span, when I'm competing, I'm so dialed in and focused on exactly what I'm doing. And everything else that I'm doing, my mind wanders in different ways. You know, so I think that in wrestling that out, it was just that thing where I could really dial in and, and, and focus on a specific task at hand. And in other things I do, I have to work. I have to work to make sure that I'm staying present in what I'm doing, you know, um, and that's something I have to continue to work on. Um, this this thing, um, this to dominate out there. Do you, do you remember how old you were when that showed up? Do, do you remember – I feel like there's more to it too. Like, do you, do you feel dangerous out there? Uh, I feel like when that, when that whistle starts, I'm just mm-hmm. looking to score and keep scoring. And I think it's something that you, you just, you learn how to navigate, like even in practice, like it's going to be hard. Both guys are fighting. Right. And as you go up in levels and guys get better and better. And I, I thrive in that moment when I feel the guy start to decrease and then uh-huh. I can carry him. Yeah, I've heard yeah. UFC fighters say, if I feel you wilt, they said there's nothing better than feeling another man wilt. Yeah, it's called like breaking your opponent. Yeah. And that's like an addicting feeling. And uh, when you felt it and you know what that feels like, that's what you want to do every time you step out there. Can that happen just really quickly? Sometimes. Because your reputation is powerful. When people know that you do that to people and you know you – like I wrestle a hard pace and I'm very – I'm technically skilled in a lot of areas. So – you know, it's, uh, you can fight, but you can only fight so many situations before you give up one, but you know that I'm coming with another one and another one and another one and another one. And that's just the way I train. That's how my mind is. And, uh, you know, the, the guys that have, you know, that have beaten me, have found a way to, you know, do that, but it's been very few, you know, and, uh, 
It just, I know that I have an edge every time I step out and do that, but it also, it comes from the way that I train, you know, and if I start to modify the way I train and I start to give in and I, I heard actually Kobe Bryant talking about this one time in an interview. And he talks about that time when you start to like negotiate with yourself, you're like, I'll do another rep tomorrow. I'll make up for this tomorrow. And you're like, no, I'm not negotiating with myself. I'm doing it right now. I'm putting the work in right now because I know it will make a difference. You know, and I think that's, you have those decisions and you just don't negotiate with yourself. You know, you don't negotiate yourself in a match. Like "Mm, I'll give up this one and I'll get the next one. No, that dude has to earn every second of what they get on you. No free points, no freebies, nothing easy. Um, And that adds up over time, you know? And I think that's something that everyone can apply. Stop negotiating with yourself. Stop saying, I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. I'm going to start training tomorrow. Um, You got to start. And once you start, you think yourself, you feel better. Because now one, two, three, four weeks go by and you're like, wow, I've been committed, you know? And you you see the difference and you feel the difference. And um, I think that's what wrestling is really unique because when you do those things, you can really understand the outcome. There, there was a, um, it, it wasn't until I was in my, I was always the kid who was picked after girls, like in PE, you know what I mean? So you'd be a team captain, someone else be a team captain, all the dudes would get picked, then some chicks, and then I'd get picked. That was like my junior high and high school. And I was okay with it. I thought it was actually kind of funny. And I knew that I was a fucking schlep. And then I was in my twenties and I had a, a housemate who was like crazy into steroids and bodybuilding and all this shit and we were in the backyard one day this is not you're not going to relate to this at all probably and we we're doing ecstasy just on a on a saturday just doing drugs yeah, we'll that one. mdma and and he and he goes he's doing pull-ups in a tree and i go and i go i've always wanted to do a pull-up and he goes hey it's not it's not a it's not a pull-up it's a contraction of your back those back muscles and then your body goes up and he the big old buff dude picks me up and puts me in the tree and i do my first pull-up and then from there, I'm like, holy shit. So I really just dedicate my life to, to that point. This is going to sound weird to you, but just to throwing Frisbees. So I start throwing Frisbees three to six hours every single day, every single day. This goes on for like five years. No matter what, if someone threw a Frisbee, I would try to catch it no matter what. My brain would be like, it's impossible to catch, but I had no choice but to run after it. And I made some fucking catches where there would be like not a thousand people, but there'd be 60 people in the park who I didn't know. And they would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Running up on car hoods, diving into rose bushes, rolling down the cliff. But if, but it, it's, it's not, I, 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 it, I relate to it. You have to set some goals where there's no option. You have to, even with fa- complete failure at, at hand, you must. Right. You must. I must. And I, I would say. And if Frisbee was easy, much easier than don't get me wrong than, than fighting. But but I relate to it. It, it, it. I relate to it. And I think that's like where so many people, you know, like I think today with social media and um, and I, I mean, I'm a big proponent of social media. I think it's great. But you, you just only see what people want you to see. They see the good stuff, you know, and I think people are losing track of like that fight. Like, dude. To be the great at something, you have to sacrifice. Again, it's not sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. It's an investment. You're you're choosing to make an investment well of your time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? And I yeah. think that's something I have to tell myself a lot now. Now that I've okay, because I did. I felt like I did sacrifice a lot to get to where I am. Now it's like okay, I'm choosing this again. I'm not sacrificing. I'm investing my time because this is what I want to do. You know? And I think that's where we lose track of that. 
and we, and, and I think in, in this society, like you just want it to be easy. It's not easy. Being great at something is freaking hard and it just gets harder, but you have to be wired that way. And you got to like really deep down, like you're saying, like, I'm going to catch this damn Frisbee, no matter who's in my way, I'm catching this thing. And I think in wrestling, it's just you and one other person. So you have to have that because there's no one to bail you out. When you have like a short, you know, like, ah, I, I cut corner and I negotiated with myself and I didn't do that thing. When it gets hard, that's what you remember. Or Oh, it really is. That's not just lip service. You really do. 100%. It's, it's like, shit, I should have run harder on those sprints on the assault runner. I'll give you a good example. Please. So, I, you know, I, I, Olympic, Olympic gold medal, right? And that, that tournament, I was not losing. It was a done deal. I was done. I, I knew I was winning. And, you know, I, I dominated my first three guys. I had three tech falls going into the finals and I wrestled Hassan Yazdani, this guy from Iran, who's a ma- great wrestler, right? He's, he's going to, this guy's going to go down as one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Um, he was, he had won the Olympics in 2016. He won the world in 2017. I beat him in 2018. I was <laughs> hurt. He won in 2019. I beat him in the Olympic finals in 2020. And then, but in that match, I wouldn't say it was a perfect match, but there was just no way I was in my mind. There was no other outcome, but I was winning the match. So I was losing with a minute, 15 seconds left. And I started picking it up and I got stopped 50 seconds on the clock. Start picking it up. I got stopped 45 seconds on the clock. I got stopped 27 seconds on the clock. But when that happened, I never looked at the clock and like, I was only 27 seconds left. I'm like, Oh, I got 27 more seconds to score this takedown. And I was, I knew it was going to happen. So off that next exchange, I, I got a takedown, blew him off his feet, win. Because of I, I had not skipped a single set, not a rep, nothing. Everything going into that, I had zero doubt in my mind that I was prepared to win that match. And if I was going to lose, I lost because the guy was better than me. And, you know, that was I was complete peace when I was competing. I It was not pressure. It wasn't like, oh, I focused my whole life to be here. It was like, I'm going to win because I've done everything right. Win the Olympics, come back home. We have a world championship seven weeks later. Wow. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. And because the 2020 Olympics were postponed to 2021, the 2021 championships were already on the schedule. And, you know, I, as a competitor, I knew that was the going up. And I I think I'd always said Olympics first. And then, you know, I wanted to win the Olympics in the world in one year. I felt like I missed 20, you know, 2019 and 2020. And, you know, you, you don't want to take for granted, like being healthy and being, being the best and you want to go compete. But from the time the Olympics, the world championships, I didn't have the fire to train and I didn't have the excitement to go in there and wrestle. I wanted to do other things. My whole life had been on pause for so long. I wanted to enjoy seeing my friends. I wanted to, you know, my wife, we opened the new Kate's roots downtown. We, my wife had a baby just days before I left you know, yeah, like, that's crazy. That's crazy. You had a baby right before you went to the Olympics and then you went to the Olympics and won. No, after the Olympics. So after the Olympics, right before the world championships. Oh, okay. Still so crazy. I was like leaving the hospital and training, coming back in, you know, being with my wife, you know, a couple of days and then I left and wrestled, but, but it was, I just didn't care the same that I cared, you know, and it, and it showed. So I, you know, I, I won, you know, I had, again, I had a tech fall and two pins going in the finals and I wrestled the exact same guy. And he's hungry, right? I mean, he he just lost with 17 seconds left. He was trying to win a second consecutive Olympic gold medal and lost with 17 seconds left. And he's been trying to beat me for five years. And he's hungry during that eight weeks. And I'm just like, I'll go because I'm in shape and I want to go and I want a world championship. And that was a difference. Like from the very first whistle that blew, 
I was just like, do I really want to be here? Do I really want to beat this guy as bad as I did the last time? I want to win because I'm a competitor, but the decision. Are you saying that in hindsight or did you actually feel that there? I felt it. It was different. I mean, everyone could see it. You know, it just wasn't the same. Like I was still there, but I wasn't there, you know? And, uh, and still with that being said, right. It comes down. Zach, Zach, same scenario, minute left. I need a takedown to win the match. And just didn't have that. It was like the different looking at the clock was like, oh, I got to score a minute. Oh, I got to score. And it just, it wasn't like this. I'm going to get hundred percent because what I did the eight weeks leading up to it and what I had done the 25 years leading up to the Olympics were different. And, and that's an example. And that's a good learning example, you know, and it freaking ate at me afterwards. I'm like, why did I go and go half ass? You know, like that sucks. I just won the Olympics and then I get second. And for me, second place is a failure. Like that's not what I'm training for. That's not what I'm showing up to do. And I lost to this guy, but it wasn't my best version that lost, you know, it was a fraction of myself. And it took me a while to really resonate. Like, do I want to continue to do this? Do I want to train the way that I was training? And deep down, I'm like, I've won everything that I want to win. Now I'm training to beat that guy because he didn't beat me. He beat a version of me that was out there. And when I made that mind up, it wasn't about sacrifice, about investment. I'm going to invest my time. And I'm going to show up. And I know by doing those things and training to beat that guy and being my best version, I, I can win again. I can win the world championships. I can win the Olympics in 2024. And that's the guy I got to beat. Wow. I didn't to do it. But, you know, it was a good learning lesson. You know, um, if I did. You're go going for the Olympics in 2024? going to do it again. Um, won't you, what's the oldest Olympian in, in wrestling that's ever, that's ever won a medal? Do you know? Uh, I mean, I don't, there's been guys. I mean, there's been guys that have competed into their, into their late 30s probably. I'll be 33. Okay. So, and it's, it, like I said, I'm not getting easier, but you know, I'm, uh, I'm hungry again, you know? Yeah. And I think if I didn't go to the world championships, I'd probably be pretty content being done, you know? And I think, wow. So that's he kind of, you kind of got to thank him for that second place. I think so. You know, it's like hard to say, like, I think if I would have been done, you know, maybe I would be done. Maybe I'd be ready to move on. And I really questioned it a couple of times. Like, you know, things are different. Where's my motivation come from? I still want to be the best in the world. You know, I hate losing. I'm a fierce competitor and uh, I have that fire back. And when I've competed with fire, it's going to be tough for the other person, you know, and that's, uh, that's where I'm at. When you, when you go to Tokyo, everyone has to get the vaccine to go there, right? No. Oh, you don't have to. Didn't have to. Oh shit. I thought you did. Well, that's no. fucking way cooler than I thought. Yeah, it was, I mean, we, you know, there it was, it was a tough thing. So I'm not vaccinated. You know, I have no intention to ever get vaccinated with, with this right. shot. That's what it is. Right. It's not vaccinated. But right. I, uh, and you say yeah, that because you've done the research, done the research, yeah. you know, I know everything that I put in my body. I can talk about that, you know, and, right. uh, you just don't know in 10 years from now, people are going to be messed up, you know? And, uh, you know, I don't want to be one of those. I just don't want to be that, that, uh, I don't know the person that's you're experimenting on, you know? Right. And, and I, I had COVID and I was, I think sick. I have it now for the 18th time. Yeah. I, mean, I, was, <laughs> I had the flu, you know, I got the flu and I was like dying. I, thought I, was gonna, I had the flu once. It was horrible. Yeah. It's terrible. You know? So, but everyone's different. Everyone's different. Obviously I know that it's a, it's a buzzword and it is what it is, but you know, going in the Olympics, like, you know, we were, we were monitoring the situation closely, but um, it wasn't oh, so, a moment. Uh, what weight class were you are you 86 kilos wow okay shit there's this guy arson from from is 40 that years 40 years yeah fuck that's old as dirt 
I did you see? Do you watch UFC? Yeah. Did you watch Olenek? Yeah. Forty four years old. My amazing. God, he's amazing. Just to have the the will to train at that age, you know, it's some it's some pretty impressive. Do you do you? I, I want to ask you something else about that post you made about the vaccine, but I want to talk about your dad real quick. Um, do you? By the way, if you have to pee, you can just go. We're good. This show is like okay, cool. Um, is it a trip now that you have kids that you think, oh my god, like to really like? Do you ever like sit down and empathize with your parents? Like, wow, my parents must have re- like. Can you not believe how much they love you and and how proud they must be? Do you know how proud your mom and dad must be? They they probably they can't even probably talk about it. It probably yeah, yeah it's it's nuts. It's nut. It must be nuts to think about what your mom and dad went. Or, how they how much they love you you know i talked to him now about it and um like you said your relationship changes before it was like we want to do anything we can to help you be successful yeah and now it's like now i can sit back and just be a fan like you know it's like they have no involvement over what i'm doing now but you know now they sit back and like man i'm so proud of you like for all these years you know and you're still this committed and you're more committed now than you've ever been you know to do these things you know and like you know, it, it worked out really well, you know, and, and the way they raised me was it perfect. I don't know, but it was the best that I know was the best that they could do. And they loved me every day and they pushed me and they held me accountable, but they were there when I needed them, you know, and, um, that's where your mom and dad are really good because, you know, my dad was harder on me. My mom was definitely the the nicer one of the two for sure. Yeah. The nurturer, they're the nurturer. But I wouldn't be here without them, you know, their sacrifice. And it's re- it's relative because like in my club, like I have parents that are driving hour and a half, two hours, one way to practice to be coached by by me and our staff. And it relates because it's like it keeps you humble. You're like, I'm 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 in it. I'm not like so far removed that I'm just like trying to compete and I forget about all these things. Right. I'm still in it every day. Like we just had a camp this weekend and you're coaching the kids and you're what I'm doing, I'm teaching them. And we're, put, you know, we're helping them think and, and from what I learned, things that I'm like, I would never do those things again or things that, yeah, I think these are really important, but we need to add two or three more things. And I think, you know, we can be really successful and, and helping them with those things. But yeah, my parents, like, it's just, they, they were amazing, you know, and they, uh, they were willing to always put us first and very grateful for that. You know, and when you have kids, you realize the same thing, like, man, in a couple of years, you know, we're going to be taking London to do things, you know? And like, I, I've already told Kendra, I'm like, I want her to have the best opportunities that she has. So if, if she loves something and she wants to do it, then we're going to do whatever we possibly can to make sure that we can provide the best opportunity for her to chase what she loves to do, which I, we don't know what that's going to be yet, but whenever it is, we're going to try and do our best to help her do that. My my son at um, five and a half said, Avi said, Hey, I, I I'm going to skateboard every single day for a year. And I said, okay, um, do that's pretty gnarly. You can't just say that. And he goes, no, no, I'm going to do it. I said, okay, um, well, here, I'll hook you up. And I don't buy, I don't let my kids eat like added sugar and shit like that. I'm very, very strict with their diet. I go every hundred successful days you do it. I'll take you out for some ice cream. And if you make it 360 and like, I never give them ice cream, right? They never, I think they went to their first ice cream shop when they were six. And I, and, uh, and then I go, and if you make it 365 days, I'll let you pick out an ice cream cake and invite all your friends and you can rage just full blow blowout party. That's awesome. And I would say of the 365 days, like there was days where it's raining and I would just take him to the garage and he'd be like, I don't want to do it today. I'm like, you're doing it today. And I go, he's like, what am I going to do? I'm like, you're going to stand on the board for five minutes. 
He goes, I'm just going to stand on it. I go, yep. And then of course it never turned out like that. Three minutes in, he's doing tricks in the garage and then we're in there for 40 minutes, but there's yeah. only like five times, but, but it reminds me what you said. Like, I don't know if I've ever come at him quite as I haven't, we haven't had a real gnarly moment yet, but like, you don't have a choice. Like you made that decision and it's my job to hold you accountable now. And if you're going to cry, that's okay. I'll hug you and carry you into the garage and I'll set you on your skateboard. But like my job is to facilitate and, and he's so stoked. He made it to 365 days and now he's, he's just a ripper, right? He has a lifelong gift of being able to ride a skateboard. That's and awesome. uh, yeah, it, it, um, it, it, it made me feel good to hear your dad say that to you. And I say those things to my kid too. Like, Hey, I just, I, I'm, I paid for the gas in this car and I'm driving you an hour to jujitsu practice and an hour back. You guys need to at least put in the hard work. You have to put in the hard work. You have to let me watch you. And I, and I, I wish every instructor could hear what you said about the responsibility you take as being an instructor. Cause some of my kids coaches that they do, like the tennis coach takes tennis serious as a heart attack and some of the parents hate it, but fuck you. I'm paying for it. And I'm bringing my kid there. My kid's spending an hour of his life there with you three times a week. You better take it serious as a heart attack. I'm letting you hold my diamond. Yeah. And it's, I just, I loved it. The fact that you said that there's parents, there driving to be coached by you and your staff. Yeah. Take that shit seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we have a good time and what we're doing, but these yeah. kids are learning how to like become successful. They're learning how, like I'm learning, they're learning how to take ownership. They're learning how to set a goal and work their butt off for it and understand, and they can see someone doing it and they can understand like, and it's contagious. Yeah. Know? And, uh, totally contagious, totally contagious. Great word for it. Yep. So it's, uh, it's really cool. The gas story is funny because I remember we were drove down to, we drove, my, my dad was driving me down to, uh, in Utah. It was, it was a pretty long drive. We were going down to, uh, uh, I don't remember the high school, but, um, Shay Warren was the kid. Jody Warren was the dad. Um, Shay ended up comp- going wrestling at Harvard and he was a couple years older than me and we were wrestling. I was just being a baby. I was crying. I was getting my ass kicked and I was feeling sorry for myself. That was one thing my in, dad in the tournament. It was a practice. It was just me, oh. and, me and the kid. Okay. And that was what my dad hated. He's like, dude, you got, you're going to be tough. You know, you don't, cr- you're not crying. You're not going to be a wuss. Like that was one thing that he just like didn't stand for. And, uh, and I was, and I think that <laughs> I was losing was that I was just crying. And he took me to the hallway, picked me up against the wall. And he's basically like, you, you need to get an adjustment to what you're doing. I'm not wasting my time and energy to come down here and watch you cry like a little baby, you know? And, and I'll still remember that. And, was it a hard moment? Sure, definitely. But it was a learning moment because then on the way home, we were sitting there getting gas. So a lot of times, you know, we're sitting getting gas and I'm watching the numbers spin, you know, and I don't know what I'm even looking at. I'm like, dad, what's that? He goes, that's how much goddamn money I'm watching you to come down here and be a baby, you know? And you don't realize that at the time. And again, people listen to this and they'll be like, man, your dad was psycho. He wasn't no. a psycho, but no. he was because he, he, he was sacrificing all his time and energy to just help me do something. He had no idea what I was going to be. I was still such a young age, but he's like, Hey, if this is what we got to do to help you, then I'm going to do that. But he just flown for four days. He just drove back hour and 45 minutes from the airport. And now he's in the car and driving me back an hour and 45 minutes to wrestle for an hour and a half practice, drive an hour and 45 minutes back, get up the next day, go back to work and do it again. You know? So yeah, I mean, I would be a little on edge too, you know, if if I'm sitting there and watching, you know, my son who I know is capable of, of doing something better. And, you know, so yeah, that was a high standard. Um, There's yeah. a time to cry. 
and, and, and men need to know like the, the, all this shit about men need to be more in touch with their emotions. This shit, that shit. Like I, I like, I want to be like, fuck off. There's a time to cry when your kid's born, when your mom dies, when you lose in a match and you go back to your hotel room and you close the fucking door. There's also a time to use your emotion in a healthy way. You don't, and, and men have to learn that. Women have to learn that. You don't let your emotions just run up from the bottom and fucking explode and start crying during a fucking practice. And someone has to teach you that. It, was it, it doesn't mean you're not sensitive or that you're not in touch with yourself. You, I still watch the trailer to Free Willy and fucking cry. That's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, that's okay. It's not that you have to teach people to be fucking tough. We're meant to be tough. It's a, it's, Sorry, go ahead. I just get so frustrated that like someone would think that your dad did the wrong thing. Your dad did something so hard for him. He didn't want to tell you that. Do you know what his instinct was? To pick you up and carry you and take you to McDonald's and make you happy. He had to fight against that instinct and do what's right. It's my dad was uh you know, so was, hard being rough on your kids. Go ahead. He was, he was tough, you know? And yeah. uh but it's funny because I remember these times when he was like really emotional, you know. It was like the day I graduated high school. He was like like this, like puppy, I was crying all day. I'm like, <laughs> that's all awesome. the things that, yeah. you know, he's so proud. And, and it's like, I, I, I don't know, you know, cause I was moving on. It was like, he's like, I've done my part. Like I've poured yeah. everything I can. And now you're yeah. moving on and you're going to the next stage. And now yeah. it's really on you, you know, to be successful. And, uh, you know, times that, you know, just different things here and there, but, um, and you got to see your dad cry. There's a lesson there. That's yeah. the lesson there. But now with my with my kids, I'm like, Dad, you're so soft. Like you are not like this for me growing up. You're just like such a softy. Like you know, grandparents you, are soft. Uh, but it's funny, you know. He's man, I love my dad and my mom, and uh, I I wouldn't have changed anything, you know, to be where I am now. If they would have been different, and I'd be somewhere else, you know. I wouldn't. I, I, I'm glad they did everything they did for me. I'm glad that they raised me the way they raised me because. Yep. I feel like I make good decisions. You know, I've, I've set my mind 100% committed my life to trying to do something and I achieved it. No, not hardly anyone can ever say that. And uh, it gives me the platform to affect a lot of people in a positive way by sharing my story. So really grateful for them. Is that why you made the post about having a medical choice? Like so many athletes, go, I, I feel bad picking on LeBron, but so many athletes would um, – they just make they just publicly make the wrong choices. They make everyone around them weak. They they they're not speaking honestly. Like no one at that level, like LeBron, had to um, got anything easy, right? He works so hard. He earned everything that he has today, and yet from that mountaintop, he preaches weakness. He preaches sprite. He preaches a victim mindset. He preaches like it's just hor- it's it's horrible the infection he spreads from the top, and yet it's easy because that's how you make all the money, right? That's what they want you to do. And yet you posted something that said, hey, I think athletes should have a choice whether to take the vaccine or not. Is that hard for you to to do that, knowing you'll get slammed for something that's you shouldn't get slammed for, but you're going to get slammed? I think there was a time when I cared more about what people thought. And, you know, you know, you know, you, you, a lot of athletes, you know, people, you care about your brand. You know, you worked your whole right. life for this brand, you know, and you right. think the brand's going to create revenue and it's going to do these things. And is there's an element to that. And I respect it for people that want to do that. I understand, but you're not, if you're not really being genuine, then your brand's not really what it is, you know? And I, I, it's what I believe, you know? And I feel like we had an opportunity, you know, over the last couple of years, like you stand up, you get crushed and you just cower and you don't say anything or you stand up, you know? And like, 
you feel. Do you little, think you would have stood up if you didn't have kids? I think that having kids made it a lot different, more resonated much more for me because you know the way that places were pushing it on kids and all this yeah. stuff when it was like COVID didn't even affect them. Right. You know? And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a tough, it was a tough time because it was an emotional time. You know, really it was, there was a handful of us that, that were, that really believe this. Some people just believe it because they don't want to be told what to do, you know? And some people believe it because, that's just what they believe, you know, they've, for whatever reason, one way or the other, um, people wanted to always kind of say it was a, uh, it was a political affiliation, but it wasn't. We had people that, that believe this and all kinds of political affiliations. It's about, right. I want freedom to make my own choices with my health, you know, and everyone has a reason to say that one way or the other way. And yeah, it's hard when you press send on that button, you know, that, Okay. This is different. My life could change now, you know, like, yeah, maybe someone doesn't want to sponsor me because of that. You know, maybe um, it's going to affect my relationship with somebody else that believes so heavily in this, you know, or whatever it may be. And I would say that probably had that effect. Um, but as what I believed, I took a stand. I felt like also for other. But why? Why take a stand? Was it for your children? Like, why? Why not just be like, OK, you got to go to the Olympics. You didn't have to take it. Why come out publicly? Like and I asked that because for me, if I didn't have kids, I'd be like enjoying the world right now. I'd be like, yeah, this motherfucker is burning down. This is dope. But now I have kids and it's not like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm still enjoying life, but it's like, hey, I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do everything I can to make this a good place for them. Well, I think my kids was a big one because you see yeah. where the direction was going, right? Yeah. It was like, I mean, my, my daughter was going to be two. So the time was ticking and she was start wearing a mask. And we already said, yeah. she's not wearing a mask. So yeah. we're, we're going, we're moving. If that's the case and, that, and if it's still in place and we have to find an alternative option, you know? Wow. And for the Olympics, I was said, if the, if, if the, I'd already made the decision, if the vaccine was required in Tokyo, I wasn't going. I was wow. going to fight that to the death because Very it just wasn't dude. something I, I'm not jeopardizing my health for it. Um, and that was a decision that I had already made. And I hoped that it was a decision that wasn't going to come and it didn't. And I feel like how close a, did it come? I don't think it was that close in Tokyo because it was still. Okay. So um, and I feel like when you think about the future, you think about the next generation of kids, you think about these kids that, so we, we had a, we had a group that need want to go to the Pan Am wrestlers that want to go to the Pan Am games and junior as like a junior group, like you 17, 17 and under, and they weren't letting these kids go if they weren't vaccinated, you know? Um, and I, I just don't understand that. You know, I don't understand that requirement. And if it took for us, you know, and we were fighting also for our kids, but also for ourselves. Like we, at the time, the USOC was under a vaccine requirement for Beijing, which was setting a precedent moving forward for other things. So we're like, okay, well, yeah, we're accomplished individuals. So we can sit back and just hope for the best and cross our fingers that it'll go away, but it wasn't going to go away. You know, so we just focused on controlling what we control. We started, we met with USA Wrestling. We met with this USOC. You know, we talked, we took every path and met with Congress. We met with senators. We met with every person that we could talk about to share our story, to talk about what we felt was important, um, to try and educate ourselves. And, uh, you know, and the, the world has kind of changed now, but I think 
a lot of it had to do with people just kind of getting tired of it and willing to start, you know, I, I feel bad for all the people that lost their jobs and stood up, but now maybe don't have a job, you know, and it's because it's all basically gone away now, you know, and uh, it was a messed up situation for a lot of people. And it was uh, so, it's so messed up. By the way, my kids have never worn a mask too. I have two five-year-olds and a seven-year-old. Every, and my wife refuses to even wear a mask around them. They, she refuses to let them see her wear a mask, but, um, everyone around us was wearing masks, you know, in all the stores, like we had to pull our kids out of school, right? Like our kids yeah. are like, I mean, credit to you. I mean, that's a hard decision to make, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it well, was, it was kind of easy. I, I, it was easy. Cause I have a little bit of financial independence Yeah, and, and I'm like, you I, I, I'm, I'm obsessive. I'm can't, can't be. You can't tell me to put a mask on my child. It's he's, what's next. <laughs> he, I think that's what was the scariest thing. It's like, what is next? Yeah. All right. So at some point, when do we just keep saying it's okay? It's okay. It's okay. And what does that look like down the road? You know, um, it's not, well, I'm not successful because I was just willing to just do what everyone else was doing, you know, right. successful. Because right. I'm going to set my mind to something. And if it's different than other people and they say I'm crazy, then all right, well, I'm going to keep working. You know, and uh, I think people can resonate with athletes sometimes because they see you and they see you at this certain level. But then when you have a voice, they want to say, well, stick to wrestling, do that thing. Well, I'm a dad, you know, I, I still value my health, you know, as much as I do and being an athlete and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was a tricky situation, you know, and I appreciate you asking about it, you know, and I, I think you can tell that you know, it was something that we were pretty passionate about. And I leaned heavily on one on my colleagues, you know, Kyle Day, Thomas Gilman. You know, like they were people that were also wrestling Olympics with me, you know, and um, we spoke all the time about it. And, you know, it was about how do we, you know, when do we say it? What do we do? And eventually we were just like, we got to just, we got to make a stand and we got to see where it goes, you know, and uh, it opened up, you know, you know, just to, to speak with people and more people rallied. We had people from sports all around the world. Um, many different sports, you know, athletes that were in a, ultimately in a lot tougher situation than we were. And, uh, it was, um, you know, it's, it, you just, I think we can hopefully be, um, a rallying point, you know, and people are still fighting it. Oh yeah. 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 No one can come. I don't think you can come to the United States unless you're vaccinated. Yeah. You know, and I think in other sports, other organizations, like, that uh, USA wrestling, you know, it's a choice, you know, and it, we, we had met with them and they're like, Hey, we're going to stand and it's going to be a choice. And if you want to do it, you want to do it, if you, you know, we're not going to require it. And just recently, so getting ready. And these are all decisions that we're talking about when doing this again, you know, final X is uh, coming up. That's our world team trials, June 8th um, that I'll be wrestling. So I'm wrestling in a best two out of three format, two matches. I win, I go to the world championships in Serbia and uh, you know, New York's a crazy place. And I just say, listen, I'm not, they're like, well, well, you can get an exemption because you're an athlete. I'm like, if my family can't come and I can't eat food there, I'm not going and wrestling there because that's not it's, it's, it's the same thing that I'm fighting against. It doesn't make any sense. Why? Just because I'm, you're making an exception for me, but not for everybody else. That's not right, you know. And uh, but then you know, now they're all lifted, you know. Now New York's back to being. I guess you can go and perform and compete. People can go sit in the stands. Um, do, yeah. do you think wrestlers in general? Um, realize this because of their and athletes in general realize this because of um the personal accountability and personal responsibility that they have in their own life that they 
that they that they know that there's two things i'd like to say the the people who use you're not a doctor those people are are severely misinformed first of all just for starters the third leading cause of death in the united states is medical errors you have to understand that george washington was bled to death no one's arguing these points Nothing has changed in medicine. The half-life of, of a, a surgical procedure is like seven years. What do I mean by that? Every um, seven years, a surgical procedure that they do today, they realize was a mistake. The leading, the leading medicine that they're selling people today in the United States, I think, is statins. It's been known forever statins don't work. People still believe the cholesterol myth that high cholesterol is bad for you. Women who are over 60, it's just a strong correlate, but women who are over 65 that have high cholesterol live longer than women who have low cholesterol. There, I mean, there's endless evidence on that shit. Even the measles vaccine. If you just, just spend 15 minutes studying the measles vaccine and look at measles in the United States 10 years prior to the measles, va measles vaccine coming out, you'll be like, wait a second, something weird is going on here. Wow. Um, you, you, you don't you're crazy to use the doctor thing versus the the athlete thing it's 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 batshit crazy you also have to understand that doctors have been that whole industry of becoming a doctor is funded by pharma all of that education and you can talk to great doctors and they'll tell you that like all the, I, i'm big in the crossfit scene uh David. And so uh, all the doctors who CrossFit, like they're torn, right? Because they know that 80, that, that um, CrossFit has the cure for chronic disease, not medicine. And yet 86% of all premature deaths are like, you know, from, from chronic disease, but they don't have the cure for that. They don't have, medicine doesn't have the cure for type two diabetes. CrossFit does, yeah. or, 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 you know, so, you know, so change your diet, lifestyle change. So yeah, it's nuts. I'm, I'm really impressed that you did that. I'm, I'm really, really impressed you did that. I, I'm, yeah. It, well, I, appreciate and, and, I appreciate it, you know, and I think it's just uh, you don't get an opportunity very often to really stand up for what you believe in. You know, again, my wife and I talked about that, you know, yeah. a lot, and we're like, it, it's an opportunity that maybe down the road that we can say to our kids, like, yeah, this is, we, you know, it's a stand that we took as a family, you know, and we felt like this was in your best interest. It felt like it was in our best interest. And, you know, we'll see where it ends up. Don't know. We don't know what's going to end up happening down the road, but we got to keep you know, stand up for our freedom. You know, I think that's a super important thing. For 30 years, you might be a little young for this, but there was this point, I was a young man, I was probably single digits. And the, and basically this anti-fat um, wave came over the United States where basically you're not supposed to eat fat. And so what they did to made food taste good is they added sugar. So for when I was 10 to when I was 40, I don't know if they still do it, but there was this, you know, non-fat milk don't eat avocados, don't eat eggs, don't eat meat fat. And, and that basically fucked our entire country. It, it, it's, it's, yeah. When I was your age, there were no obese people, like hardly any. I would never see them. I'm 50 now. When I remember being 30 and there being like no obese people. And now I go outside and like I go to and 50% of the people are like 300 pounds. It's probably even crazier. Say, where do you live again? Pennsylvania? I live in Pennsylvania, yeah. Yeah, it's probably crazier there. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean – those are carbohydrate addicts. You know that, right? Those are basically refined yeah. carbohydrate addicts. They're yeah. like, like heroin addicts or yeah, it's nuts. Refined carbs or refined sugars will mess you up more than just about anything else. Well, so much just extra things in there, you know? So yeah. I mean, I just think if you can eat a, you know, a, a diet, if it's grown, you know, mm. you can eat it, you know, if it's, if it's made genetically, you know, if it's made, and things are altered to it, it's a good time to stay away from it. You know? So I just, you messing with any of the raw meat stuff that's becoming popular? You eating any raw meat? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, I haven't eaten liver yet, but I think that's something obviously that's, uh, I do. It's just a matter of going and getting it. Um, yeah. but I, I mean, every year I get a cow from a farmer that's, you know, oh. grass finished, like straight, straight up, you know, sit and it's great, phenomenal meat. You know, we have friends that have chickens, we get their eggs from them. You know, I just think it's like, we try and do as much as that as we possibly can, you know, and, and there's an element to any diet and lifestyle is, is convenience and, and, but you ultimately, and time, but like I say, it's like, you'll make time for what's important and you'll make what's important convenient. So it's just a matter of making those decisions and going and doing it. How about your dad getting a farm in Ohio, moving to Ohio to help your wrestling and then also getting a farm so your sister could ride horses? Yeah. Dude, your dad's something else, man. He was the man. He, he loved us. Yeah. And he cared about us so much. And he always, he always put us first. Always. And how about your mom putting you in wrestling? Like, like moms aren't supposed to do that. Moms are like, she had to get me out of the house too much. Energy. Yeah. Dude, you got to get out of here. We yeah. got to put you in wrestling. Yeah. So, um, you know, I get that sometimes that I do too much with my kids. So, you know, like right now it's 7am here and they're doing their schooling. And the second I'm done here, I'll take them to the tennis um, courts, you know, and then we'll go to the beach and I'll have them skateboard and ride and then go play in the water. And then from there, I'll take them to jujitsu practice and then we'll come home and I'll put them in, I'll go in the garage and we'll, and we'll um, do a workout. And then they get to play for an hour and go to bed. And people are like, dude, it's too much. I'm like, nah, dude, three boys. Three That's boys. Awesome. You don't get it. Three boys. That's so cool, man. It's nuts. Good stuff. I love. They'll it. destroy my house if I don't do that. Yeah. Um. Last question, and I'm sure, I bet you most people start the interview with this question. I really didn't want to ask it, but I but I do want to know. Um, why Magic Man, David Magic Man Taylor? So. It's a good question. So when I was, it uh, is a good question. It's like it doesn't everyone. Uh, hi, nice to meet you, David. David's a, an Olympian. Congratulations, welcome back. How did you get the name Magic Man, Mister Taylor? That's well, not- yeah, it is. You know, and I, <laughs> it's, it's not many people have like you know a nickname that really sticks. You know, and mine's kind of been. I think it was a couple of things. So uh-huh. when um, when I graduated high school, there, this guy did a, a documentary on me, and he called it Magic Man of the Mat. It's on YouTube. It's pretty cool. It's basically- I watched it last night. It's dope. Awesome. Dope. And, uh, it was, it was really well done, you know, and that was one. And I think, you know, you're, you know, at that coming out of high school, you know, and then going to Penn state, you know, that kind of was establishing like kind of my brand at the time and magic man stuck. And I don't really know how it got there before that as, as much as Talladega night or, uh, um, stepbrothers <coughs> was, uh, was, it was a big movie back then. And, you know, they called them, you know, you call me magic man, you call me El Diablo. That was no, it was. It was Talladega Nights. And um, and I feel like at the time I had a signature on my my text and it was like El Diablo for a while. And then I got rid of it and it became Magic Man. And I don't I feel like that had something to do with it. But ultimately I think it stuck because of the way I wrestled. You know, it just looked effortless when I was out there. So then as I was wrestling, like, oh Magic Man, and then when I got to Penn State, it was a matter of like People would call me as many times. They call me David. T- David. They call me Magic Man when I was when I was running out there, you know. And the things that I did, and the way I wrestled, and the way I was creative, and it came up. It was just like a good fitting. And then my hand, my my social media became Magic Man underscore PSU, and now it just stuck, you know. And like that M two brand, you know, Magic Man has just stuck and kind of integrated in many things that I do, and uh, it's been pretty good. Let's see. I just typed in Magic Man into into YouTube. Let's see. Let's see what we. Uh, let's see if we if we got lucky. Here we go. David told me that it's my time now. 
shake and bake is dead. You just came up. Awesome. There we go. Um, did you did you feel creative out there? Like were there times when you were like after the match, um, uh, or, or even like that Azerbaijani guy um, you pinned? Is it like are you kind of like holy shit? Like how did I do that? Do you ever like ask yourself like whoa like it's just I'm, I mean I'm, I'm I have like a plan, but there's some things that you just do that you just like. I was blessed with this gift to do something and it just would happen. You know, like you get lifted yeah. up and you'd be flying through the air and then you end up on top and you're like, I could never replicate that again. I just have a good feel and could figure out a way to do that, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Nuts. Uh, David, I'm glad. I don't know. I, I know I've been bugging you for like six months and I'm so glad that you, uh, I don't, I don't know how I finally got you. I get they're right. You, the people who said, holy shit, how'd you get David Taylor? Now I know why they say that you are a cool cat, dude. You are so oh, cool. Thank um, you. thank you so much. I look forward to, um, uh, so w will it be televised or will it be on YouTube? The June 8th event you're doing. Yeah. So June 8th, um, will be on flow wrestling. That's kind of like our big media platform yep. in wrestling. Yep. Um, I'll be wrestling. I'll wait to see who wins the world team trials to get to me and I'll be win wrestling a best two out of three format mask or garden. Um, the world Championships. Wow. Yeah. So that would be pretty cool. And then uh, the world championships are in Serbia this year. Um, next year's world championships are in Kresnyarks and then Paris 2024 Olympics. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's what my path looks like moving forward, looking forward to that. And then we're working on this documentary about what's going to be next. And that's going to be on live trained. So that will be a, a new platform. Um, and I'm really excited for that. I think it's going to be really cool. And we're going to basically, go through, you know, what it's like after the Olympics and what it's like going into the next Olympics in 2024 and, and hopefully repeating in Paris. So I appreciate you bringing me on and following my journey and looking forward to continue to, to share it. Yeah. Thank you. Who's the, who's the director of the film? Do you know? Um, right now I mean, we, we have a film guy that's working on it, gathering the content and then, you know, I think editing it. So I don't know. Okay. You guys do you know his name by any chance? Um, Linux, uh, I don't know the last name. I can't remember. Sorry, sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah. Listen, the reason why I'm asking is this: when that when that uh, movie comes out, when it's done, if you just reach out to me, I'd love to have you back on. Like, I'll ask the director for a screener. I'll watch it ahead of time. And I'd love to have you on for like ten or fifteen minutes to help you um, promote it, get get eyeballs on it. So, I appreciate that. yeah. Or if before, I'm going to tell my producer to um, reach back out to you like two weeks before June 8th, so we can just find out how how pumped you are. Um, and, uh, and we'll stay in touch. And I'm, I'm really stoked to have you on. It was yeah. really cool meeting you, brother. Appreciate that. Thank you. That's yeah. awesome. And everyone who's watching, thank you.